As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey, it's Wendy. And it's Jess. And you're listening to the Food Heaven Podcast, your online resource for delicious and nutritious living. Hey, hey, everyone. What is going on? Welcome to another episode of the Food Heaven Podcast. Today, we are very lucky to have our friend Stacy Young on with us, and she is a licensed clinical social worker. She specializes in depression, anxiety, and trauma using cognitive behavioral therapy. She is the owner of Sixth Street Wellness, a private practice based out of New York City. In addition, she provides mental health services for justice-involved individuals through her nonprofit work. I'm so excited to have Stacy on the podcast today because Stacy's not not just like a friend in my head or a friend online. She's actually one of my closest friends IRL in real life. <laughs> we were college roommates our first year. That's how we met and Stacy thought I hated her. I don't know how you could ever think that. <laughs> but we'll the, get to that story. We'll get to that story. But then we we were like really good friends and yeah, and she 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 happens to be a therapist, which I'm like, how have we not had her on the podcast yet? And she's like really kicking butt in in the mental health field, especially working particularly with people of color, with black women. And she does a ton of workshops in New York to find out like what type of therapy you need. Because I know, at least for me, like I before I started working with therapists, like I didn't know what CBT was or DBT or CBTI and who knows. So Stacy's here to talk about all of those things. So welcome to the podcast, Stacy. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be on. Yay. We're so excited to have you. Let's kick things off by you telling us why you think Jess hated you. Right. <laughs> oh, that story. So we... So we're moving into the dorms and, you know, there are these little tiny little things, so there's not much space in them. But she basically comes in with her sister and drops off her stuff and immediately says, okay, bye, and walks out. I was like, well, (laughs) nice to meet you too. So I was like, oh, great. Um, You know, so I think that I was just, you know, you're just so worried when you first moved in and you have so much anxiety about who your roommate's going to be and what's it going to be. And that was our first. And I was like, oh, God, she hates me already. Oh, my God. That, of course, turned out to be very untrue. Yeah. um, Because here we are a whole lot of years later. Like, (laughs) I think 15. I don't even want to say how many. I I mean, I don't even know. Anyway. But, okay, I did it. A lot. A lot. Here's the deal. I was so nervous. And I was, like, clinging on to my family. And I made them get a hotel because I just was, like, so scared to go away to college that – I was just being nervous. Like, I was not being, like, stank or anything at all. So I'm sorry. <laughs> and I feel like the next day, I think I stayed the night with my family in the hotel, right? And then the next day, I came back. And then it was all good. And then we had fun. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I think that that's, you know, 
it's funny as we say that now, it's like, you know, I'm so glad we didn't let our anxieties get the best of us. Exactly. Because, you know, yeah. that could have really got in the way of what has been an amazing friendship. Um, but yes, no, definitely once we got to know each other and figured it out, it was all figured out. Because yeah, I forgot about that part because then you were just like gone. And I was like, well, I don't know. She just didn't come back. <laughs> <laughs> I was so nervous. That's all. Well, we've oh, all come a long way. So I think that that's a really great bridge yeah. <laughs> to talk about your journey into becoming a therapist. So tell us about why you became interested in mental health and kind of like how you've gotten to where you are now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think in some sense, I always wanted to be a therapist while going through some files a few years ago, I actually came across an old live journal, um, which I actually didn't know existed. So Google yourself, friends. Um, and when I was reading back on some old posts before I deleted it from the internet, um, you know, I talked about when I wrote this when I was about 16, 17 years old, and I talked about wanting to be a therapist. Um, though I actually don't think at that time I really knew what that was. I just knew it was someone who talked to people growing up. I was just you know, people just tended to talk to me about their problems and stuff. So I think I just had that in my head. Also, too, my mom is a social worker and my aunt was a social worker as well. My aunt actually had a private practice in the Bay Area, in, the Bay Area in Berkeley, which is where Sixth Street gets its name from. She had it on Sixth Street in Berkeley. And so I started off by going to grad school and I fell in love working with the adolescent population. And I thought, okay, like this is where I want to be. So my first job out of grad school was working with adolescents who were involved in the justice system. So kids who are on probation and their families doing substance use counseling and in-home therapy. So I did that for about six years. And, you know, I just felt, I just really fell in love with the work. I really fell in love with what I was doing, fell in love with my families. I worked for a really great organization, had a lot of really positive supervisors who were able to provide a lot of training and I think really set up my foundation and helped me discover the type of therapist I was going to be. And just felt really confident in the work, you know, and like what happens with nonprofits, they, you know, the programs move on and it actually moved over into another program where we started working at a mental health clinic. So I was part of a startup mental health clinic, which was a cool process. Um, and I worked there for three years, providing individual therapy to families, to adults and to um, adolescents as well. So I was able to continue that work. And, you know, through that process, I was really, really, really able to see like, wow, like therapy really touches a lot of people and really helps a lot of people, especially in really tough situations. And, you know, the work itself was just really tough and, you know, really started to wear in me at this point. I'd been in the game, you know, about 10 years and so when I finally got to that point where I was like, okay, I need to shake things up and do things a bit differently. And at the same time, I had 10 weddings scheduled up in a 12-month period. So I was like, okay, I got yeah. to shift things up a little bit, you know, really wanting to secure my finances and just also wanting to change the way my brain was working. So I started my private practice and really reflecting and thinking upon the work that my mom did and that my aunt did. Sixth Street Wellness was born. And so I moved into the private practice arena, which has been really, really great. And, you know, I 
I very much describe it as something that called me because also, so I was doing private practice work and working at the clinic at the same time. And I just kept getting requests from all these women looking for therapists of color, looking for black women therapists, or they were very new to therapy. And it was just the only space where they really felt comfortable. And I just really, and you know, and I felt bad because I kept having to say no, 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 no. But I thought, you know, what happens if I said yes? And it turns out that if I said yes enough times, it would become something that was sustainable. And so I took the leap and, you know, here we are now. That's amazing. We were just talking about people like putting in the work to really learn your craft and really respecting that. I think you're my only friend who hasn't had a career change. Not saying there's anything wrong with that, but I just really respect how you knew this is what you wanted to do. You put in the work to get where you are and now you're doing exactly what you're called to do and you're really successful at it and helping so many people. So I think that's awesome. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to kind of follow up with this idea. I feel like, I don't know if it's in the black community or what, or just in general, but The idea that like going to therapy is like such a negative thing or that you're weak or that therapy can't help with anything or that we don't air our dirty laundry out there. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So like where does this come from? And is it like that? Do I know what I think the answer is, but like, like talk about like therapy, like not being something that makes you like a weaker person. And um, Mm -hmm. yeah, like that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And I'll start that off by saying, I think that people who go to therapy are actually very brave. Yeah. Um, and there is a sense of bravery that it takes to be vulnerable with someone, especially a stranger. So yeah, so I'll get back to that. But also too, you know, I think historically, one, it's just something that hasn't been a part of just culturally part of what we do in the formal therapist mental health sense. You know, we get therapy, but from different ancestors, you know, and the guidance from them, we get therapy and, you know, we get guidance from our church. We get, you know, and all these other sorts of spaces, which our grandmothers, you know, our, you know, our, our family members, you know, our mothers, our family, you know, that's just where they sought that because that's also to where it felt safe. And so I think just thinking about everything that they grew up with and everything that was going on, this idea that you just go and find someone to go tell all your problems to probably seemed really foreign and really just like, "Mm, that doesn't sound like a good thing, right? Like you said, like, we don't put our streets in the business, like, we don't put our streets out there like that. You know, and also, too, the whole strong Black women complex, like, handle this on your own, manage it yourself. You know, you don't have time for all of that. All of that definitely plays into just historically, just how, just you know, what our views are about therapy. And then also, too, I think, you know, we don't want to think we we need it. You know, it's like, I can handle this by myself or, you know, I have all these other things that I do that really helps me get to therapy. So, you know, it's not something that we have typically and historically, you know, wanted to invest in, you know, whether it's our financial resources or whether it's our time. It just hasn't been something um, that was on the highest priority list. But I have to say, you know, the more that we have been able to have more open conversations, that it's like there are some things that just really, really need a more mental health perspective. Um, you know, as we were more, as we're being more honest about what depression looks like, as we're being more honest about what just trauma, especially trauma. You know, we talk about generational trauma and just all those things that we carry with us, and that you know, we we need other places besides you know, our family members, besides our church, besides our friends to really process these things, that it just needs a different type of space if you're really, really, really going to get at the bare root of what's going on. 
yeah. and be able to process it in a healthy way. So I think we're finally having conversations about that. We're finally opening up to spaces, finally thinking like, okay, maybe this is a valuable way to spend my time and resources. So like I said, I, you know, that was one of my hesitancies with starting up the practice was I was like, well, who who's going to call? Who's going to do this? <laughs> and just, whoom, you know, a lot of people have given the space. And so, you know, I think it's it's definitely picking up. Yeah, I think it's also there's just so many different styles of therapy and it can make it very overwhelming where people just don't know where to start. Like Jess was saying, the CBT, the DBT, the MSG, the CBD, (laughs) you know what I mean? It's like, it's too much. Yeah, it's like, okay, how do I even know? So like talk to us about the different styles of therapy and like, how do you know what the best fit is for you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so a lot of so with so therapy it is it is it is a really really confusing and really difficult space to navigate especially if it's just something that you just don't really have guidance on um so definitely have to acknowledge that and you know fortunately there are tools out now that are making it a bit easier but if you're starting out one of the first things that you can do is you just have to you know start gathering a list of of names from people that you can just call and normally therapists offer at least a 15 minute free consultation so that you can at least talk to them about what it is their style and what it is that they do so that you can get a feel for who they are. So one, I suggest first you have to figure out, are you going to use insurance? Are you able to pay out of pocket? And that's going to be one of the biggest things to help you start your search, because if you are using insurance, you want to use, you know, it's only worth spending your time speaking to people who are, you know, work with your insurance. And you can search on that through Psychology Today, Therapy for Black Girls. There's, you know, all the resource directories. You normally have an insurance filter. So, you know, or you can call your insurance company directly. If you're doing out of pocket, you know, then that'll pretty much be pretty much any therapist that's out there. So that's one of the first things you want to decide. And then, you know, it's really just about looking for people and finding them and calling them up and asking them. It's kind of hard to know the modalities until you get in it. So it's like cognitive behavioral therapy is a really here now sense of therapy where we just talk about how our thoughts affect our behaviors and our actions. And so that's something, so that's one way, you know, if you have, you know, if you identify that you have trauma, looking for a therapist that focuses on trauma. If you have anxiety, looking for a therapist who works with anxiety. So really just trying to think like, okay, these are some of the things that are going on and actually speaking to them and telling them your symptoms. And then they can tell you, okay, yes, this is something that I work with, or this is something that I can help you navigate, you know, whether it's a life change. Sometimes people just want to go to therapy because they're just having a life change and they just want to talk it out with someone, especially as people are, you know, thinking about switching careers or, you know, maybe going off to school or, you know, are getting married or are just at a point in their life where they feel stuck and want to figure out some sort of movement. Um, So there are a lot of therapists that focuses on that, want to make professional changes. So I, I really recommend starting off with speaking to them and talking about what it is that is bringing you and spiking your interest in therapy and just having a conversation with therapists. So you can grab a glass of wine, you can grab a cup of tea or some coffee, just start collecting names and start making those phone calls. Okay, I have a question that comes up a lot with therapists that has even come up for myself. If you do not connect with someone immediately, is that a sign that that's not the therapist for you? Is that a sign that you don't need therapy and the therapy won't work? Or is it a sign that you need to, like how many sessions should you give someone before you decide they're not a good fit and what makes someone a good fit or not a good fit? Mm-hmm. So I usually recommend the rule of three. So 
if it's unless it's something that feels very wrong, like unless it's something, you know, like if you leave a bad first date, like you're like mm, something felt real wrong about that. Then, OK, red, a red flag is a red flag. Um, you know, if the therapist spent the whole time talking or there just seemed to be some kind of shady business going on or <laughs> they just seemed like they didn't know what they were doing. That's very different. Okay. I'm like, OK, maybe that's just, you know, not a good fit. But if you meet someone and your first session doesn't necessarily feel like, okay, I walked out of this life-changing situation. Give it, you know, three sessions to really feel like, all right, this feels like a good fit or not. Um, and this is something I can continue with. One of the, some of the things that you want to note is, you know, do I feel like this person is listening to me? Do I feel that they can really hear and really process and be empathetic to what it is that I'm saying. Do I do I like their style? Do they talk too much? Do they not talk enough? Do I walk out of those sessions feeling okay? I think of therapy a lot of like going to the gym and not the spa. So mm. it's not this thing that's going to be done to you and you're going to walk out with one session being like, ah, but it's just, it's a progressive piece of work. So it's like, you know, when you leave the gym, you don't may not necessarily like, like, see a physical change or, you know, necessarily even feel incredibly different, but you can at least leave feeling like, okay, I did something today. Yeah. Like I feel good about what it is that I did. And that's what leaving therapy should feel like. Like, okay, like I did something today. I see the direction that we're going in. And, you know, I, I feel, you know, I feel safe. I feel comfortable. I feel like this is a very, this is truly a non-judgmental environment. So being able to be open and honest with your therapist is really, really, really important. If you're finding yourself hiding things back or like you feel like you're not able to say something, uh, you really want to reflect on that and figure out why. Because if there are areas you feel, areas you feel like you can't go, then, you know, you're not going to get the best benefit out of the time that you have with them. And how long do you think that people should be in therapy for? Because I know like just from my own personal experience, like I've been to a bunch of therapists and I'll start and then I'm like, okay, great. I feel like I resolved my issues. And then I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna stop going. But then of course, issues always come back. And I'm like, mm, it probably would have been a good idea to just stay. But it's like, I don't know, I'm sure it's different for everyone. So how, how do you go about deciding that? Mm -hmm. And again, you know, it's kind of one of those things where it really depends on the person and what it is they want to use it for. Some people are there for a very specific issue and for a very specific thing. And once they feel like that issue is resolved, you know, that they're that they're OK. I recommend a minimum of 12 to 16 sessions. So that's three to three to four months of continuous weekly sessions, especially if it's your first time in therapy. So if you get past the three sessions, you feel good, you feel comfortable, you feel safe, you feel like the sessions are being productive and that you're getting somewhere, then I would go the full 12, 12 somewhere between 12 and 16 weeks um, without stopping. Okay. And then after that, and then after that, you can decide just because you do want to see the arc and you do want to not not just stop when things are going well, because, you know, one of the things I like to do, especially when we see a lot of process, a lot of progress with clients is really process what's help, what's making things go well, what's in their life in this moment that's supporting them going well. So it's not just that we talk about things when things are going wrong, but when things are also going right, like let's take some time to really reflect and think about what systems and what things are in place that are making you feel good and that are making you, you know, choose the, make these healthy choices that are really supporting, you know, whatever tools and tactics and coping mechanisms that you put in place to be successful in this I and mean, to sit with that for a minute. I think it's similar to nutrition. And I, in my private practice, am only working with people for at least three months, ideally at least six months, because I think it's easy to get in the groove and it, you know, and for it to be like, oh, it's going so well. Okay, I'm good. But 
what I have found is that you want to allow time for when stuff happens that's going to make you potentially feel like you fall off or it's not going well or you have a challenge or whatever. And so that you're still in this like space where you can process that and move forward. But if you just mm-hmm. do something for like three times or even like like two months, it's not enough time, you know, yeah. and I feel like it's similar with therapy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. You know, and some people too, they like the, they like the method of just being able to process what's going on in their exactly. life. You know, at this point, I've had some clients for about two years and we always have goals. So we always have a stated goal that it, of what it is we're working on. So if, you know, one goal gets resolved and they're like, no, I still want to process, you know, we figure out, okay, what are our new goals so that we have something that we are look, that we are working towards, you know, and sometimes they just like to process like, okay, you know, this thing happened. I just want to process how wide is I made those choices? You know, what was my thinking behind it? Or I react in a way that I'm not really satisfied with. I think also like just building that trust is important because Mm -hmm. like, yeah, it takes a while, especially for people that have been through trauma, it takes a while for them to actually open up and trust the therapist. So yeah, yeah, that sounds like a very reasonable time frame to like really just get comfortable in Mm -hmm. sharing really, you know, personal, delicate information. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and that is, and you know, it's just, and I think too, I think with black people and I think with women of color, you know, it's just, it is not our intuition to trust somebody off bat. Right. That is not, you know, just because the world hasn't really, you know, the world has not presented us with that. Oh yeah, everything is just safe for you to dive on into. So, you know, we always kind of tiptoe and we're not necessarily, you know, a culture that just jumps in. It's like, all right, let's just go and do this. You know, we want to know. We, we, we want to feel safe. We want to feel secure that what you're saying is actually true. So it can, like Wendy was saying, it can take some time to really get to the point to where you are willing to be your absolute most vulnerable. Yeah. I was going to say that I work with a lot of eating disorders and um, with a therapist, sometimes I'll get a new patient and they will, you know, be coming in because they're like, oh, I have this eating problem or whatever. And the therapist, I'll go to the therapist, I'll notice they've been meeting with them for three years. And then I'll be Mm -hmm. like, Oh, you know, can, can you tell me if you have any insight or anything that's helpful for me to know about their eating disorder? And they're like, Oh, they literally just told me about it last week. Mm -hmm. And they've been working with them for three years. So I think it's real, like the whole trust piece and not saying that they didn't trust them but you know there's so much too because sometimes I'll be working with the patient like for me it's very usually specific with like their issues around nutrition but they may be working with a therapist on their sleep habits or their trauma or their anxiety and sometimes it does relate but then sometimes it's like there's so much that that's why I feel like you need that time mm-hmm. do you know what today is Today is the last episode of the season, you guys, which means that this is almost your last chance to cash in on a special offer from one of our podcast sponsors. So the podcast sponsor is Manitoba Harvest, and they are a pioneer when it comes to making and distributing hemp-based foods. They've been doing this for 20 years, long before it became a trend, and they do it because they believe that hemp has the power to transform people's lives for the better. So they have a ton of different products. They have hemp hearts. They have protein powder. I've been using that in my smoothies in the morning, but the thing that they're giving us a special discount on, actually a huge discount on, is their broad spectrum 
hemp extract products with CBD. There's four different formats, CBD oil drops, CBD spray, CBD soft gels, and CBD protein powder. Now, if you ever wanted to try CBD, now is your chance because they are going to be giving Food Heaven podcast listeners 50% off, that's 5-0, with free shipping on your first order of Manitoba Harvest Broad Spectrum Hemp Extract products with CBD by using the promo code Food Heaven. And this is going to be available until August 31st. So if you want to try CBD and also save those coins, head on over to shop.manitobaharvest.com. That's shop.manitoba harvest.com and use the promo code food heaven for 50% off and free shipping on your first order of Manitoba harvest broad spectrum hemp extract products with CBD. And again, this offer is valid until August 31st. All right, now back to the episode. Okay. So now I want to talk about like, when do you know you need therapy? Because I'll give this example. I used to work in this clinic and I was really close, still am, with one of the therapists there. Sometimes she would get a little frustrated because the medical providers would have a patient who would start crying in the office and kind of like freak out. This used to be me too. This happened to me. I was in (laughs) therapy and I was like crying and the therapist was like, I think we should consider medication. I I was like, what the fuck? Like literally (laughs) you can't handle emotion. Like it was a, it was a guy too. So I automatically was just like, okay, great. Like men automatically just like break down when they see a woman like crying and it's like, oh my God, you need like an emergency intervention. Yeah. So in this case, the medical providers would always call the therapist like, oh, my God, they need they're depressed. They need therapy. Like now, even for me, I would sometimes do that back then before I knew a little bit more and also was like super comfortable. Like now I'm very happy when people cry in session because it's like obviously it's helpful and therapeutic in some way or you're getting to the core of something or making some kind of connection. And it doesn't have to it could be a great thing where you feel like you would like you know, purge, like whatever emotion. Okay. So how do you know the difference between like when you're just having a bad day and you're tearful versus mm-hmm. like you're depressed and you need therapy? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that all goes for one, what it is that you want and what you want to get out of therapy and what your therapy goals are. You know, you don't necessarily even have to be depressed or have experienced a severe form of trauma to go to therapy. You know, some people, I, you know, I recommend it for everyone at some point in their life just as a processing, you know, just to have someone because it's, it's really hard to see things from the inside. And so just to have some outside perspective and, you know, and that can even be for a very short amount of time or like through some kind of transition. But when we're talking about like, okay, like when are you depressed versus just like, oh, I'm just having a bad couple days. Many times it's, you know, the, the general rule that we as therapists and, that, you know, we at mental health providers follow is, is this impacting your life? Is it impacting your relationships? Is it impacting your work? Is it impacting your life at home? So it's more about what sort of impact is it making? And also for many, for most of the major diagnoses or, you know, for diagnoses, it's about like length of time. So if you're having a bad day and you're tearful, you know, one or two days because there was, there was an incident that happened that, you know, 
had cause for it. Okay, you're, you know, we're not necessarily saying you're depressed um, or you've been really overwhelmed and that you just finally let it out. That doesn't necessarily classify someone as depressed. But if this has been happening for two weeks or longer, if every day you've just cried and cried and cried and cried, if, you know, you just can't quite figure out what's wrong anymore, or if it just, you're just feeling really hopeless, if you're feeling really down, you know, and this has been going on for a couple of weeks, and it's like, okay, then this may be a time. Also, too, you know, one of the times is just just a pattern of just reckless or just really just not healthy behaviors. You know, if you notice yourself just constantly feeling bad about the choices you made or you just don't feel good about the choices you made or you just notice a pattern of just, you know, I'm just not doing well in any of my relationships. You know, not not just romantic relationships, but it could be friend relationships, it could be work relationships, and you just notice you're having a hard time connecting with people. Then that might be just like, okay, that's a time where I just need to figure out what it is that's going on. Or if you just realize too, like you just don't feel like yourself. You know, it's like, we call it the um, the depression mess. Like, you know, if you go look in your apartment and everything's just a mess, you know, you can't organize, you haven't done laundry in a month, you, you know, your your place just doesn't look like, you know, that's it's different from being a messy person, but you just don't find the motivation to really care for yourself in the way that maybe you have before. Then it's like, okay, that's a sign that it might be depression. So that's more so the like, okay, this is like a serious thing where you need it. But again, the services for therapy also off are also operate on a spectrum. Some people just want to come in and process what's going on in their life and just check in and just say, I just want to check in with what's going on and, you know, see how I'm doing. Yeah. And I think that processing is so important, just having that self-reflection so that you can grow as a human being. Yeah. And it just has so much value. Listening makes us smarter, more connected people. It makes us better partners, parents, and leaders. And there is no better place to start listening than Audible. Audible is where so many inspiring voices and compelling stories open listeners up to new experiences and ways of thinking. Audible delivers bestsellers, business, self-improvement, memoirs, and more, all professionally narrated by actors, authors, and motivational speakers. And if you're looking for a recommendation, I recently started Homegoing, which is a novel about race, history, ancestry, love, and time that traces the descendants of two sisters torn apart in 18th century Africa across 300 years in Ghana and America. Start listening to your next audiobook with a 30-day Audible trial, and your first audiobook plus two Audible originals are going to be completely free. Visit audible.com F-H-N-E, that's for Food Heaven Made Easy. So Audible, A-U-D-I-B-L-E dot com slash F-H-M-E or text F-H-M-E to 500-500. All right, let's get to our show. I want to talk about some of the misconceptions about therapy because I'm just thinking, I remember my mom, (laughs) she like, (laughs) I don't know how she ended up in a therapist's office, but I don't know. I think her doctor like referred her and she went one time. She was like, I'm never going back again. That's like for crazy people. Like that therapist (sighs) needs to see a therapist. Like, yeah. (laughs) I was like, just culturally, like that's, I mean, in yeah from where my family's from it's just like very taboo um so what are some of the common misconceptions that you've come across or that you've heard about therapy 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, even first off, I just have to say too, is not every therapist is the best therapist. Mm-hmm. Um, so those 15 minute consultations and like really taking, like allow yourself those first three sessions to make sure it's a good fit. Because again, you know, it's, it's, it's something where if you have a bad experience or it just doesn't feel good or it doesn't feel right, you know, it can turn into a really negative experience. You know, we're talking about your most vulnerable places. So, you know, definitely feel free and feel empowered to where if it's not an experience that feels good, like you said, with medication, like if off the bat, if you're, you know, if you're not seeing a psychiatrist whose job it is to say, to give you medication, you know, if you're seeing an LCSW or, you know, a mental health counselor and the first thing they say is medication, then it's like, okay. And that's not something you specifically came for, or there's not some sort of major thing. That's when you want to say, okay, you know, let me think about this. Yeah. I also think like you just have to give it some time because I think also just like culturally medication for mental health conditions is something that we're very closed off to as black people. Mm -hmm. So I think as therapists, like that's something to be mindful of and how you're introducing that. Even if someone might need the medication, it's all about how you present it, because if you Mm -hmm. do it in a very abrasive way, yeah, like who's going to be open to that? You know, it's all about how you communicate things. Yeah, yeah. And, mis- and, you know, there's all kinds of just misinformation about what medication is, about what right. it does. Is it helpful? Is it not? Is it used to control me? You know, all these sorts of things when, you know, it can be really, really, really helpful, yeah. especially when, you know, I describe it as when we're just having a really hard time getting to our baseline, which is basically measured at just our normal, you know, way of functioning. But when we're having a really hard time hitting that baseline, medication can be so helpful. You know, depression often feels like this, like, you know, 50, 60 pound rock just on your chest. So that getting up just feels really, really difficult. Um, And, you know, the thoughts in your head are just running wild and it's really hard to manage or even get control of your thoughts, which is part of the basis of using cognitive therapy is to be able to, you know, really gain some sense of control and and, um, thought management. But if that just feels so impossible and so hard, medication can be really, really helpful with that. So it is it is about talking about it, how it's introduced and how it's used and not thinking that it's, you know, you're taking it because you're crazy or you're taking it because something's, you know, because you're just, you know, you're damaged or there's just something wrong. But it's just, you know, it's another part of the therapy tool to be used. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm glad you mentioned that because while a lot of us are like, no, I don't want to take medication, a lot of us actually need it and it's going to improve your quality of life. And like you Mm -hmm. said, it's going to make you function better. So it's like looking at the pros and the cons, like the pros of taking it and the cons of not taking it. And sometimes, you know, you might learn that it it could potentially be helpful. So it's Mm -hmm. individualized and finding that provider who's going to listen to you and, and, and go based on what you want, but also eventually, hopefully you have the trust in them. So if they do have any recommendations, you're able to, you know, at least think it over. We should do a podcast episode because Mm -hmm. like destigmatizing medication, I think even in like a medical setting, like Mm -hmm. when it comes to chronic conditions, mental health, like that would be a great episode. That would be amazing. Cause it's just like, it's, I don't, don't even get me started. Like on the, (laughs) on the wellness influencers and just like having these conditions that like are literally all you need to do is take a little antibiotic, sis, and you'll be fine. But it's like, no, I'm going like, to go to these extremes and I'm going to like, I, yeah. Anyway, so that's a great idea. 
Yeah, yeah, because there's there's you know there's so much information and there's so much to be talked about with it. That I think that could be really be helpful. And as far as other misconceptions go about you know some some of it is and it really does go back to why would I share my business with someone? Um, how are how is talking about it going to help me? And you know it just it it really does just being able to hear yourself say something out loud to someone who has no connection to your outside world can be so powerful and you know and it just is as you hear yourself or when you hear someone reflect back something that you're saying you may hear it in a way that you just didn't hear it before. So many times people say, wow, as I say that out loud, now I'm really thinking about this or wow, now that I'm talking about, I feel this because you have a chance to pay attention to it, you know, and, you know, and I I love my friends dearly and, you know, and I, you know, but there's something very different about saying it to someone in a very sounding board sense or just hearing their feedback in a way that, you know, that doesn't, that doesn't hit the same way in the way a friend says it or someone, you know, who's not necessarily invested in my life. Like, you know, I obviously care about my clients, but you know, if they need to move, they need to move. If they need to do something for them, that's what they need to do. Um, whereas a friend, where if I'm like, I'm going back to California, it may be tinged with, no, we don't want to lose you. No, 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 you know, right. kind of all these other sorts of things <laughs> yeah. that are attached and emotions that are attached in various other relationships. So just the power of talking, the power of processing and how much that really, really can change your perspective and, you know, change your thoughts and how you think and how you look at things. You mentioned that not every therapist is the best therapist. Mm -hmm. I'm snapping to that. (laughs) Um, What makes someone a good therapist? Someone who, one, first and foremost, you feel heard that when you speak that they are really able to pay attention and process what it is that you are saying and that they are present and that they are there with you. Someone who is truly non-judgmental, which is how you are able to create the purest and safest space because you just, again, you don't want to get, you know, people are people and we all have our thoughts and our own beliefs and our own experiences, which is also very important to have a therapist that is really caring for themselves in their own way, because you're still talking to another human, but they should in no way be putting their stuff on you or their thoughts or their opinions about how some things should go. They should be able to be, you know, the goal is to be as neutral as humanly possible so that as you're saying something to me, because, you know, I, I haven't experienced every single thing my clients have, you know, my clients are coming to speak about. And, you know, that's not that's not necessary. Um, I can't have experienced everything every human being experiences, but we need to be able to process it. We need to be able to talk about it in a way that they feel OK and that they feel safe and that they feel heard and understood and empathetic. And you mentioned caring for yourself. So what does that look like for you? Like, I'm curious to know, as a therapist, do you seek therapy? What wellness routine have you developed that really speaks to you feeling good about yourself? And yeah, you like looking out for yourself and making sure that you're like physically and mentally feeling great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, I had a coworker who very, very early on in my career was a very much a pro, you know, a very much um, an advocate for every therapist needs to be in therapy. And again, not necessarily all the time. Like I don't necessarily have needed a continuous 10 years of therapy, but very much when you're feeling like you're having trouble processing or when, you know, you have other things going on in your life that you want to talk about, that it's really important for you to be a part of that. So one, 
you know, so that you also engage in the process, but two, that you're keeping your thoughts and your mental health in check to make sure and check in that you're still in a good place to be able to process these things. Because, you know, people process their trauma through me. People process their deepest vulnerabilities through me. So it's like, I think of my head and my everything about me has to be good if that's going to be successful and helpful. So that's really important. I am someone who I, you know, I feel, I feel very relaxed through movement and my choice of movement is running. And so that's something that I'm extremely and very active in. Um, You know, it's also a huge part of my social life and just part of what I do and how I get my alone time to clear my thoughts in my head and to help, you know, myself feel really good. And so that's something that I make sure that I have time and space for. It's also one of the things that really motivated me to become independent was I just, you know, I feel like I wanted to have more control over my time and my space because that was something that just helped me feel, you know, confident and secure and like, okay, like I can make choices in my life, um, which is also really important for me to feel good and for me to feel well. You know, again, I make sure that I'm still, again, I work by myself a lot. So I make sure that I connect with people in the best ways that I can, because I think that that interaction is really important. Yeah, so making time for my friends, making time for my community, making time and engaging things that make me feel really good. I love it. For folks who want to just improve their mental health, what are two things that they can start with doing today or this week? Mm -hmm. So really embracing deep breathing I know it sounds super, super basic and people are like, how is that? But just taking the moment to incorporate, you know, a deep breathing routine, um, you know, even like a five minute meditation can be so incredibly helpful. One, in just creating pauses in your day and just being able to recognize where you are, take an inventory of what's happening, how you feel. Is there something that I need right now? You know, there's so many times where I'm just like, if I had water, like sometimes when I'm feeling really thirsty, it feels like anxiousness, but it's actually like I'm thirsty. I'm like, oh, like go get some water. <laughs> you haven't had any today. And so just having those moments where I just stop and pause and take inventory. And I do that through deep breathing just to really check in with myself, just to see how I'm doing uh, is really, really crucial. And also the second thing, incorporating journaling. Um, I really specifically like gratitude journaling into my day and into my moment, especially when you're not feeling great. Because what that does is that really just, that really challenges the negative thoughts that are happening in your head and really turning the focus on to the more positive or the more helpful thoughts for what's going on and just really trying to find it. Because sometimes finding something to be grateful for can be really, really, really hard, especially, you know, if you're just not, you know, in a good space. But, you know, if you can, can say, you know, if there's warm weather outside and I'm going to be grateful for that in this moment, or, you know, I have, you know, I'm looking forward to this meal that I'm going to go eat after work. And that's something I'm grateful for. You know, the train was on time today Um, because that really just helps shift your mind from focusing on the things that aren't going well to, okay, like I can focus on this other space and it just, you know, just creates a different type of mindset. So, you know, those are things you can do right now. And there are tons of apps to really help with that process if something guided is better and, you know, developing a system of affirmations, you know, and guidance to do that. Yeah, I love that you said the deep breathing Mm -hmm. because, yeah, you don't need anything but yourself to do that. And it can literally just be five seconds where you pause and you take a deep breath. And I've done that so many times and I just feel so much better. Like when you just bring that mindfulness to your body, it really does wonders. So 
Really appreciate you saying that. Um, where can people find out more about all the amazing work that you're doing? Because I'm sure there's a lot of listeners that want a great therapist to work with. Mm-hmm. It's so hard. I mean, let's just talk about how mm-hmm. hard it is it's to find a good therapist. Hard. It's like, oh my god. Yeah, it's it is it is it is tough. It is a tough process, but that's also because it's such a personal journey. You know, like I said, it is worth just, you know, taking a list of people, doing, setting up those 15-minute phone conversations and having the consultations, you know, until you find someone that you feel good about. You know, and it may take some time, but, you know, and again, you'll run in through therapists that have wait lists and people that are full, which if they offer a wait list and you really like them, it's totally worth getting on it. Yeah. Um, because especially if you're looking for something with a specialty or a person of color, there might just be a wait, but it'll, it'll open up eventually. But if you're not on it, you can't get on, you can't get in. So do you have a wait list? Yes. Mm. Well, I <laughs> mean, yeah. tell us how people can get on. Yeah. It. Like, <laughs> tell us like your website, people how people can list. learn more uh, about yeah, so you. My website is Sixth Street Wellness. That's six S I X T H Street Wellness. And so, yeah, you can go on there and there's just more information about what I do. Um, I have a team of other clinicians that work with me as well. So if I don't have space, you know, I have other clinicians as well. But also, too, only if you're in New York, you do have to work with a therapist that is, with, is, that is within your licensed state. So that is also even with telehealth and all that, you do have to work with someone who is within your state. I love your website, by the way. I'm on it right now. It looks so Our good. Our person did it. Sam did oh, it. Oh, <laughs> nice. Yeah. I know. I was, oh, yeah. No, I was definitely like, oh, Jess, you have to give me your person. because <laughs> This looks really good. It's great. I love it. <laughs> Thanks, guys. So, yeah, if you can go in there and find out more information. If you're looking for information on therapists in general, I recommend Therapy for Black Girls. You can also find me there. Zencare is a great place to look. Psychology Today. Yeah. And also check, too. Check your job. They have um, employee assistance programs. Oftentimes, they offer free therapy sessions or referrals through there using your insurance. So that's also a great way if you want to use your insurance to find therapists that you're connected with as well. Oh, Stacy, this has been so yeah, amazing. This was great. I learned a ton yeah. and I never heard of Therapy for Black Girls and cast any of those sites. So Isn't that a podcast, Stacy? Therapy for Black Girls? Mm, yeah, it's a podcast too. Really oh, great. Oh yeah. Dr. Joy, she's awesome. Mm. Um and so yeah, so lots of really great conversations and topics that they discuss. There's like, you know, there's a whole bunch of episodes. So definitely worth taking a listen. Nice. Well, thank you so much for taking the time out to share all this wonderful information with our guests. I know that your wait list is going to get a little bit longer (laughs) and we really appreciate it. So thank you so much, Stacey. Have a great rest of your day. No problem. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode of the Food Heaven podcast. We learned so much and we hope you did, too. Make sure you leave us a review, leave us some stars, give us a thumbs up. Listen up to this listener review by Mika Mama. Listening to your podcast helps me to really get in tune with the self-love I truly deserve. I've learned about intuitive eating, listening to my body, and advocating for my health in a world filled with misinformation. Keep up the great work because you ladies are an inspiration to many, speaking it into existence. I plan to meet you guys one day. <laughs> Apparently, we have mutual friends. Hmm, I wonder. I know. I wonder who those are. Send us a DM, girl. Blessings on blessings on blessings. Thank you for that wonderful review. And if you like our podcast, give your own review and subscribe so you never miss an episode. We release episodes every Wednesday. 
And if you're feeling social, you can also connect with us online. We are at Food Heaven on Instagram, where we're most active. Also, make sure to subscribe to our podcast. It's released every Wednesday. In each episode, we cover tips and tricks for how to make lifelong changes that help you live a healthier, more balanced life. We also interview leading experts in the field of health and nutrition to pick their brains on how to cultivate a healthy life that you love. We hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye.